out more and be be intentional, like she was saying, being intentional of when there are times like this to make the sacrifice and do it. Thank you. It's it's really good for us. Um, we're we're wanting to build. You don't just like if if we could just ask God to just lay hands on our church and make us have community, wouldn't that be easy? Like, hey God, will you just make us faithful people, just lay your hands on us. And there's no work involved. There's no discipline involved. There's no, I wasn't faithful and I had to learn my lesson. Like, wouldn't that be really awesome? God, we want to be a church that has the best community, that when we, we are intentional about hanging out and being together and strengthening one another, could you just lay hands and impart that into us as a church? Oh, wouldn't that be so easy? But character and the things that really matter don't come for free. Salvation's free. All the other stuff, it takes a walk. Everything that comes to salvation, healing, deliverance, freedom, that's all free. But the walk, that's where we have to walk it out. We actually have to contribute to the process. So we talk about being a church. Last week we talked about there's three, three keys that if we're not serving these three things and we're missing the plot, all right? The first one is the presence of God. And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go listen to the podcast. Being a presence-based church isn't just about God showing up when we come here. It's about realizing that God is everywhere we go and that everywhere we go, God is impacting people if we would just tune in to him. I love what Matt said before. God isn't in this room more than he is just out there on the street. Like, well, we entered into a sanctuary. It's like supposed to be a holy place. The earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In other words, everywhere we go, God is there. We just need to tune into his presence and then pull heaven into the awareness of the people around us. See, we're just not aware. How many have ever just been going along, you've been fine, and then all of a sudden you remembered something and, and the, Lord, the Lord smacked you in the face with his presence. You're like, wow, you weren't there two seconds ago, but your mind went somewhere with a testimony, a memory, a praise report, something happened. And you just, all of a sudden you're like, man, God, you're everywhere. And he's like, I was everywhere before you were aware. And we just want to tune in our awareness of God. So when we say we want to be a presence-based church, we just want to be better at being aware of what he's doing. I was just through this whole process and, and I just, I don't want to talk all about this, but this is just where we're at. Um, it's just like God's doing these specific things right now in our church. He's blessing people with homes. He's blessing people financially. He's, he's paying back stuff that people have owed you. Like there's a, this is a really good season that we're in right now. And I want it to last forever. I want to forever be talking about so-and-so they repaired their credit. Now they're debt free and they just purchased their first house they've ever purchased in their life. I want to celebrate that. I want to celebrate the, the kid that paid off their, their student loan debt. Like I want to celebrate when God blesses us financially forever. But I also know that God moves in seasons and there are seasons where there's great favor and it feels like it's in a really specific place. I don't want to leave that, but I just don't want to also say, man, God, I wasn't even aware that you were really in that. There's favor right now for impossible things to happen. So I'm not going to talk about this today, but that's the second thing I want us to, to be a church of, a church of faith, where the faithfulness of God and our history with God does not only produce faithfulness in us, but it produces faith in us where we believe for impossible things. I mean, there are things that right now God is doing, and I'll talk more about it 
in a couple of weeks that, that we haven't even asked God for things and he's doing things. And then even when we ask, he goes above and beyond. How many, how many have had one of those things recently? Like the faithfulness of God stirs me to say, if he's really that good, if I really knew who I was, then I would ask. We're in that season. I believe that's going to be uh, something we're going to say forever um, at, at Firelife Church that our kids are going to, they're going to be walking around saying, awaken your ask. One day when, when, when my sons are up here preaching the gospel, they're going to talk about awaken your ask. Like it's going to be a thing that we do forever. Um, and then the third thing we want to be good at is community, authentic community. So the presence, community, and faith. We want to be faith-filled people. And so today, if you want to open your Bible to Acts chapter 2, we're going to read some of this and just kind of, kind of dive into it. Again, this is not something that God can just impart into the church. This is something we have to be strategic and we have to, we have to make the sacrifices. We have to do the hard things. You know, I was so blessed last week for Fire Life Nights and the, 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 the majority of the people that came back that night had small kids. I know what a sacrifice that, and that would just bless me. I was like, look at that. It's, it's so hard to come back on a Sunday night because we've gotten out of the habit of it, right? When I was growing up, it wasn't even an option. It's like, we just went to Sunday night. Like, get what you're going to eat, go home, take you a quick nap. Don't even change clothes. Just come back for church. That's just what we do. It has become an option now. But just because it's an option doesn't mean that God doesn't bless you when you decide to do it anyway. And so I was so blessed. It was being intentional. And, and we finished really close to six o'clock and people stayed around for about 30 minutes, just hanging out and talking. And I was like, that's what I'm, cause that was strategic. That was being intentional. That was being, I could have hurried and gotten home quick. This was a sacrifice enough. My kids have driven me crazy enough, right? This, come on. Matthias's shirt is completely soaked from the water fountain that I want to take out of here and get it out. Sorry, we're going to put a cage on it or something. <laughs> Can I get a witness? But people stayed around and talked and fellowshiped and spent time laughing. And, and these things that are really important, they take intentionality. And if we want to be a church that has community, we're all going to have to do it. Like, well, no one invited me to lunch today. You go invite someone to lunch. Don't wait. Be the initiator. Don't wait to, to pull people in. I was, it was funny. A couple weeks ago, um, when, my, when my dad was here, we, we all went ate after the people that hung out. and We talked for a little while, and we were like, let's go eat somewhere. Back in the old days, it would have been me and my parents, let's go eat away from everyone else. I just want to be alone. That's the way Jared was. Like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to go and get home, right? And now I'm like, hey, everybody, I want you to know where we're all going. I want everyone to go. Like, I would love every week we all eat together. That's the big change in my life. I can't even express to you how different that is than the Jared Mandy married. <laughs> There's something that's, that I'm, I'm realizing that community is really important. And I'm better when I have relationships with you in this room. I'm a, I'm a better person. I'm, I, I see things in you that challenges me. Iron sharpens iron. And so I want us to just continue to be more intentional about building community so that someday that what Jesus said would be true of this house, they will know you're my disciples by the love you have for each other. Would you say it with me? Jesus said this. They will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. And I tell you, community is so attractive. And if we do community well, 
and we do the presence well and we do faith well, the church is going to become very attractive to people again. All right. So in Acts chapter two, I want to read this and then we're going to jump into just a few thoughts. In Acts chapter two, verse 40, the, t- the caption on mine says, a vital church grows. A vital, a healthy church grows. In verse 40 says, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be safe from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom. Come on, that's a pretty good day of growth in the church. They're like, oh no, our nursery's too small today. It was just fine five minutes ago. Now it's like, oh no, we don't have enough help. That, those days are coming. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. See, the, the fellowship is as important as the preaching of the word. The fellowship with one another, with the body, is as important as the teaching and preaching of the word. He said, do not forsake the assembling together with one another, as some do. Some are in the practice of doing. But when, the day, when you see the day approaching of the Lord, you should get together even more often. And then it says, and they continued in the doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking bread. I love it. Bread. See, it's a good thing. We should break bread. We should have Olive Garden breadsticks every time we get together. <laughs> break, break bread together. Oh my goodness. I would be like 300 pounds. Um, that's my, bread is my weakness. Garlic butter on my bread is an even greater weakness. But they broke bread together. And then they prayed. Mandy talked about it. We pray. We're praying. We're learning to be a praying church. And then it says the fear of the Lord came upon everyone and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles and all who believed were together. Everyone say together. Together. They were together and they had things in common. They sold their possessions and their goods and they divided them among them all as anyone had need. Now this is not socialist propaganda. This is not Bring all your stuff together and the apostles will decide who gets what. This was out of the overflow of their heart. Them saying, I have an extra washing machine. You need one. Take my washing machine. No one made them do it. No one compelled them to do it. They saw a need and they said, I can meet that need. And they did that. And this is, the Bible says, this is the church that was a healthy church that was growing, right? And it says, so continuing daily with one another, with one accord in the temple, And they broke bread from house to house. I love it. We should be in each other's houses more and more as we go on as a church. There shouldn't be any person that becomes the part of this church that says, I haven't been to your house. It is good. It is good. And it's the way it should be. You're like, oh, no. It doesn't have to be perfect. I'm talking to me, man. That's why I've been like, don't come to my house. (laughs) Daily, they broke bread together from house to house, and they ate their food with gladness. They enjoyed eating together and fellowshipping. And it says, with simplicity. I like that. With simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. This fellowship caused them to have favor with everybody. Come on. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Everyone say amen to that. So when we talk about authentic, we're talking about not false. We're not talking about something fake. We're talking about something real. We're talking about something genuine that has an origin supported with unquestionable evidence. I want us to have a community 
that is filled with such love and, uh, and we are for one another that people realize that there really is a God because this is not a man-made love and community that can be created. I want people to see that. When we talk about community, we're talking about a group of people who share common characteristics, common interests. They're, they're a group who shares a heritage. Come on, how many have a heritage of the Lord? So we are already a family. Family was God's idea. We're going to keep talking about this. Um, a few weeks back, there was one of the most awkward moments ever in a service. And I shared a story about um, Josiah was saying, man, I love the church. I love how everyone's hanging out. Everyone's having fun together. And he's like, I don't want it to grow. And when I told that story, the room was really awkward. Almost like, oh, well, I kind of feel the same way. Like, I, I like it this size. And I, and, and I was like, no, that's an evil thought, Josiah. <laughs> that is not from the Lord. I reject that to half court. That is not a good thought. <laughs> family is God's idea. And if God wanted to have a small family, he would have left, he would have just kept it with Abraham. He would have just kept it with Moses. He would have just kept it with David and said, okay, David, only your family will be my family. But he said, no, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth with people. And then they will become my family. So if God's idea is the whole world becoming his family, then our idea should be as many people as we can get into this church family, this small part of the big family, we should get that many people in here. And we shouldn't be afraid that as we grow, that we will lose what makes this place fun. Because God can reproduce that multiple time after multiple time. There's no reason why we can't have, people say it all the time, well, big churches, when you go to a big church, then it's not close and people aren't connected. It's, it doesn't have to be that way. That's not God's plan. I believe the church can be as big as you want it to be and it can feel like a family. Because if that's God's idea, then he'll give us strategies on how to make that happen. And so I wanted, I'm just going to keep kicking that wall down of, of, I like the church the size it is because I'm comfortable. I know most of the people here and we know each other and, and they know my weird things and I don't have to let someone new learn my quirky behavior and stuff. Get over all of that. Come on. Come on. I want as many in the family as God will give us. And so God's breaking down this barrier. Well, I, I won't feel connected if I don't know everyone. Or there's this fear that if, if more people come in here, I will lose my place. That is not true at all. As a matter of fact, the more people that come to the table, the richer you become. The more people that become part of the family, <laughs> the wealthier we all become. Because our wealth is now spreading and it's shared among this common interest group. Now, when I talk about this, I, I, want, I don't want you to picture a church that's inward facing and in a circle holding hands really tight. Picture that for a second, right? A really tight group, of, like if we're praying in the room, we all got in a big circle right here and we're really tight. That would look like community, but it's actually not community because community is actually turn, turn the back and face outward because you're inviting more people into the community. So I want us to be a tight knit church that's holding hands really close together. But if I want us to face outward and whenever someone new comes in, I want us to let go of hands and invite them to join in and then expand the circle and keep them tight.
And new people come in, come on right in. You, here, this is a spot for you. You're, I'm weird. I just want you to know, get over it. I'm weird. So we're going to be weird together. I promise you, I'm going to love you regardless of how weird you are. And I'm not going to let go of your hand because you're weirder than me. <laughs> Don't let go of me because I'm weirder than you. All right? Hold hands and then increase the circle. This is something that literally um, I... <laughs> Practice it in conversations. If you're talking with two or three people and another person comes up, just take a step back and open up. It's a little small thing. It's, it, um, most people won't even notice if you do it. But the person that joined notices. It's just take a step back. I haven't stopped this group, but I'm, I'm opening up because I'm inviting you into the group. And I'm, I'm not doing this and you're over here, hey, we're over here talking. No, no, I'm doing this. I want you to be part of the group. Come have a seat with me. I can't believe I'm talking about this stuff. I wasn't this guy. <laughs> like, I'm the, like, give me one good friend for the rest of my life, and I'm, I was that guy. I just need one friend. I'm still a lot that way. <laughs> but the Lord's like, why can't you have 10 really good friends? Why can't you have 50 good friends? See, there are things that happens in church community that you could not make happen by yourself. Let me just go there. Jesus had community, right? How many believe Jesus had community? He had disciples that he was really close with. Now, there were some he was closer with than others. That's healthy. You can't be best, best, best friends and tell all your deepest secrets to everybody. But you have to have someone you're telling them to. And that circle, as it gets further away, you're still connected, but some people have greater access to your heart than others. Jesus had three disciples he was closer to of the 12. You're like, well, that's not fair. That's just the way it was. I don't think the other disciples were complaining. <laughs> like they were part of the group. I, I promise you, he made them feel the most important all the time. But there were three Jesus did spend more time with. But as much as Jesus had community with them, and there was hundreds and thousands of people that actually followed Jesus everywhere he went. Did you know that, like we know that's true because as you read through Acts, it talks and lists people that say they were with Jesus from the very beginning. Like Jesus had, had a group of people everywhere he went. He had a posse everywhere. They followed him. They were in his group. But there were some he was close with, with others, but he didn't make them feel they were more important. It's funny because they even begin to argue who was the greatest. They're like, well, I'm the greatest. They're like, no, I'm the greatest. Like, he makes me feel the greatest. Like, well, no, he makes me feel the greatest. And they're arguing over who the greatest was because they, he made every one of them feel great. But Jesus did something. You're like, well, you can get all of your needs met in community. No, you can't because Jesus, even though community was great and wonderful, he would go off by himself and be with God, Right? It would say he would leave the crowds and he would go off by himself and he would be with his father and he would have this intimate time. You can't stop doing that and say that community can meet all your needs because it can't. If you think community can meet all your needs, then you are crazy. So Jesus himself goes and he's with the father. But let me say this. If you think that God in this context, now follow me here that if all you need is just you and Jesus by yourself and that you can be healthy and have everything that you need in life, then you're fooling yourself equally as if you say, all I need is my friends. 
Because if Jesus only needed his father, then he wouldn't have left the mountaintop with his father and went and hung out with the community. You have to have both. If you are, are, are spending more time with community and you're skipping out on the father, get that mix right. If you're spending more time in the prayer closet all alone, then we'll just be hyper-religious people that aren't fun to be around. We need to come down from that mountain and then we need to live out the things that we worked out with us in God. See, we can talk community, we can talk the characteristics and the, and the, the things of the kingdom all we want, and they're just theories unless we actually live them out in a community. No, I don't think you heard me on that one. It's just a theory until I actually have to do it. Well, I can forgive anyone of anything. Jesus has just blessed me and I can forgive. That's a beautiful theory until someone stabs you in your heart. And unless someone stabs you in your heart, you don't know if you can forgive someone or not. Jesus said, hey, stumbling blocks and things like this are going to come. They're necessary. Woe to the ones that bring them. Like, they shouldn't do these things. But it's beneficial to you to have to confront these things in community because it's the only way you will know if you really can do the things you say you do. Well, I can be really accepting of everyone. That's really easy to say until you get about around a bunch of weirdos that aren't like you. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know, man. I don't think I can do this community thing with this guy. He's a little too weird for me. It's a practice. And the only way we can learn is to get into these uncomfortable situations and lift the veil, let people see who we really are. Not the face we put on. Not the house we hurried and straightened up before they got to. Oh, me. Like, give me five minutes. I'll be right back. <laughs> Kick it in the closet. <laughs> like, not, not that. And I'm not saying be bad stewards. That's not, a, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying invite people in to see who you really are. This is what it means to be a place of community. Inward facing is not what we want. We want to be outward facing. We want to be tight and pull people in. We want to break down the barriers of entry. Let me say this. I've, I've heard this said for the last, since 2008, when Mandy and I started pastoring, that because there's such a deep love and such a deep uh, friendship between Mandy and I and people that we did youth group with, sometimes it makes it difficult for other people to feel like they're part of the core. And I'm sorry for that. I, I don't want to live in the past that was a beautiful time in life. That was, it was. It, it's like God saying that is what life could be like forever if we do community right. That's how I look back at it. But I don't want those things or my age or the fact that I have younger kids and you're, you're older and don't have kids. I don't want there to be barriers to our friendship. I don't want that I'm different or that I have different, that I like soccer and you think soccer is a socialist sport. Like, <laughs> that's what we hear all the time. Like, I, don't want that, I don't want to create barriers to our friendship. I want to look for ways to pull those barriers down. And I've, I've heard it said since 2008 until now that, that when new people come in and they begin to become enveloped into this close-knit circle, that there are those moments that it feels awkward and it feels weird to connect. Look, we're a whole new creation now. This is a whole new church. We're not duo part two or three or whatever. We're just not. We're not family worship center. 
We have a history of family worship center, tabernacle. We have this heritage, but we're a whole new house and we get to create now what it looks like going forward. And so I want to break down any barrier of entry. It would break my heart if a family comes into this church, whether they're young or they're old or from, from another country or from this country, and they came in and felt that there was a barrier of entry because we seemed too close. I want them to be attracted to how close we are, but if I'm looking out saying, come be close with us too, it changes the perspective. And that's what I want. I want to break these barriers down. There's a seat for everyone at the table. Would you say it with me? There's a seat for everyone at the table. How many remember the story of Mephibosheth? Just say that word. It's a funny word, isn't it? So he was one of Saul's descendants, right? And when David became king, they were afraid because in those times when a new king came in, they killed all the relatives of the old king because they didn't want anybody coming along and trying to fight for the throne. So they would kill them all. Well, David didn't do that. But Mephibosheth's family didn't know that. His servant that was carrying him didn't know that. And as she's running from the palace with him, she drops him, he falls, and he becomes paralyzed, breaks his legs, and can't walk any longer. But because David made a covenant with Jonathan, and he said, as long as I live, you're my family and I will do anything I can to bless your family and your father's family, Saul, which is amazing to think that David was that man, but he was. And he said, I will be there. I will take care of no one in your family will ever have need of anything as long as I'm the king, because I make a covenant with you, Jonathan. It was such a beautiful friendship. And there comes a day where David's sitting at his table and he asked this question, is there anyone left from the house of Saul that I can show my favor to? And they start thinking and they're like, yeah, there's this, there's this crippled boy named Mephibosheth. He's like, bring him here. And they created a space. This story wrecks me every time I hear it. They moved the table and rearranged it and made him a seat at the king's table. And David made a covenant with Mephibosheth and said, as long as I'm king, you have a seat at this table. You can eat anything that you want. You can drink my wine. You can eat my bread. You can eat. There's nothing I will withhold from you. If I'm here, you're here. And that's what community looks like. This is what I mean by it, why I'm telling the story. If you have someone that you love that's in your family, they're my family too. I want to know how your parents are doing. I try as often as I can to remember to ask, how are your parents? Because if they matter to you, it matters to me. And I want us to get really good as a family saying, I'm going to always leave an open chair at my table because you're welcome here. I will change. We may have been in a conversation and you came up and the subject changed. I don't care. Let's talk about whatever you want to talk about. I want us to create a seat at the table for everyone so that not one, not even a person who was crippled, now, here's the cool thing. I, I remember Bishop Jake, Jake's preaching this probably 20 years ago. I was like, that, he's the best preacher ever. <laughs> and he talked about how when Mephibosheth sat at the table, no one knew he was crippled. No one could see his legs. He looked just like everyone else there. That's what I want people to feel like. Well, I don't feel like I fit in because I've got baggage. I've got problems. I've got issues. When you sit at this table, it doesn't matter what your issues are. You're at the table. And the place for you to be well is for you to feel like you belong here. If you don't feel like you belong, you won't become well. All the prayer, all the counseling, as much as I love all of that, won't do a bit of good for you until you believe you actually belong at the table. The moment you believe you belong at the table, it shifts your mindset. 
And it begins to say, I deserve better than this. I am better than this. And I want us to be a church that says, you are Mephibosheth. Is there anyone in your house that I can show friendship to? Is there anyone in your family, Debbie, that I can invite to the table? Is there anyone in your family, Robbie, Rodney and Robbie on everyone? Come sit at the table. I want to know how you're doing. You won't ever lose your place just because we added a seat at the table. You will not lose your place. Your place actually gains importance the more people sit there. Because you're part of the table. Come on. So that's what I mean when I talk about authentic community. Hmm. How many want to grow in the Lord? How many want the church to grow? It should grow. Let's be honest. Living things should grow and produce fruit. And if we're alive, we should produce fruit. I, I promise you right now, there are probably two or three families that you know that would love to be part of this church. People that you know, that if you just ask them and we open the table for them and we open the net and we let go of hands, they join it, that they would love to be part of what's God, what God is doing here. I bet there's at least two or three families, everyone in here, come on is there anyone in your family left that fire life church can show favor to is there anyone in your family that we can pull to the table the best way for us to grow and the best way for us to accelerate and to be healthy and whole is to get together I hear Siri up here. Siri, come onto the table. It's okay. <laughs> you are welcome, Google and Apple and NSA, whoever else is listening. <laughs> the best way, <laughs> the best way for us to accelerate our growth is to jump into a stream with people that are doing the same things that we're doing. Jump into the river with them and just go for it. Find people, find your tribe. Like, well, the tribe sounds small. No. A tribe is supposed to be healthy and grow. God wants us to begin to see breakthrough in every area of our lives. And I'm going to close with these thoughts. <clears throat> Community gives you access to wealth that you personally don't have access to. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about friendships, favor, doors that can be opened because of community. And I believe God's going to begin to do that in this house. He's going to open doors because we're rich in relationships, not because we're rich with money. He's going to give you favor. Do you need favor in your life? Do you need God to open a door for you? Now, sometimes God will just kick that door open, but sometimes God will use a Mephibosheth that we invited to the table to open a door for us that we couldn't open. And we may look at them and think, well, they're crippled. They're, we have a label for them. Well, they're this, they're that. They can't, they can't be a benefit to this. I mean, that's not the way we're supposed to think. And sometimes the answer is to just invite people to the table. Just this whole thing with the, with the house has shown me, Mandy and I were scared to death to even think about buying a house. We, I was a no. She was like, I have faith. I was like, I don't have faith now. I'll have faith in 2021. I don't have faith right now. (laughs) But the moment we said, you know what? 
we're scared. We don't know. We're just going to take a step. The moment we took that step, things clicked into place, man. So fast that it made our head spin. Like, whoa, wait a second. This is going too fast. Wait, you know someone who knows someone who knows someone that can do this thing? Are you kidding me? All this stuff that's being done? I, I, someday I'll tell every, once it's done, I'll tell you all the astounding things that God did. There's more stuff I didn't even tell last week. Through relationships. Through relationships. I, some of it, I don't even know if I can even tell the crazy stuff God's done for us. Through relationships. And I was telling Matthias on the way home from a soccer game yesterday, I was like, you know what, buddy? Mandy sent me a text from someone, and it was another testimony. I was like, oh, my God, you keep astounding me. Just tears. Like I, I, and Mandy's like, I can't stop crying. I'm like, yeah, I'm driving. I can't either. I just looked at Matthias. I said, Matthias, no matter what you do in life, seek first God. Put God first in your life. I said, because you may not be wealthy. You may not be famous. You may not be this or that, but if you will connect to the family of God, you will always have everything that you need. God will make sure you have what you need. If you will put him first, he will add to your life everything you need. And not only that, he will astound you along the way. Come on, stand up. Stand up. Let's pray into this. God, I'm just praying right now that you would stir up such great community in this house and in the, there are so many that listen to this podcast, God, that don't even go here. We bless them right now with this community as well. For those that maybe they feel distant, I pray they come closer. I pray they will feel closer to this house. God, for people in our families, if there's a Mephibosheth out there, God, we invite them to the table in Jesus' name. God, for every person here, every family represented here and the circle of influence they have, we bless their friends and their family, right? Right now in Jesus name. We bless those co-workers that they see every single day of the week. We bless them. We invite them to this table of community where we have all things in common. Come on. Where people's needs are met. Where the presence of God is so rich and so thick that it shifts people's lives for not just for a day, but forever. And God, I ask that you would make us a house of community. That we would seek you first with all of our heart. Come on. Once you say, we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto us. Now, God, once you come to the front, we're going to pray over those couple of things. Once you come to the front, join hands just as a sign of community, of connection. There's no peer pressure here at all. <laughs> You better join hands. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Y'all are awesome. Man, this is... Here's what we're going we're gonna to pray. Come on, buddy. Come on. Come on, boys. I'm going to slap that boy. Bam! <laughs> he's, a, he's a good kid. He really is. I'm not just saying that because I need to. He's a good. He's better than we deserve, I'll tell you that. So here's what I want us to pray for two things, at least two things, but for sure two. I want us to, to pray that God would cause us to be an outward-facing tight circle, that we would look outward 
Who can we pull into this circle? Who looks lonely? Who needs to be put in a family? That's what the Bible says. He puts the lonely in a family. He doesn't put them in an organization, a home. He puts them in a family. So right now, Father, I ask that you would help Fire Life Church to be so tightly joined together (laughs) that we fight for one another, that we defend one another, that we stir up the best in one another. But God, let us not be inward facing. I ask that you would help us to turn our attention to those that are not in a family yet and for us to reach out, that we would become attractive, that we would become attracted to the lost and those that are lonely and alone, and we would pull them close and find a seat in this circle, that we would join hands with them, that we would stay tight. Hmm. Number two thing I want to pray is that we would break down every barrier of entry into the core of the church. It would be easy for people to connect, that it would not be difficult and it wouldn't be hard. So, Father, right now we kick down the barriers, some that we've built out of fear, some we didn't even know we built. Some have been communicated and misunderstood. We don't care how the barriers got there, but God, we just command them to fall right now in Jesus' name. Every barrier that would keep people from feeling like they can step close and be safe, we drive that away in Jesus' name. I ask that you would just blow through those barriers, that it, that it would become a portal instead of a barrier. <laughs> that as they get close, they would just be pulled in and not even know why or how. That our barrier will become a portal. In Jesus' name, come on, would you pray that God make the barriers that we have built or have faced, make them into portals in Jesus' name. Come on. Now, God, there's a seat for everyone here. There's a seat for everyone. Now we get to do the practice part, the hard part. The gospel is really simple. It's also really tough. I want us to put this into practice. So look for ways to make connections with people. Don't, I'm a, we're going to say this a lot. Don't wait for others to, to start the connection. You start it. Like, well, what if they say no? Sometimes people will say no. Sometimes people can't do the thing that you want them to do. It doesn't mean no to you. So don't let no be a barrier. That's a false barrier. They're like, well, I don't want to be disappointed. No, that's, that's not okay. I'm not, my hope isn't built on this thing happening between me and this other person. My hope is in the Lord. And, and even if I get my feelings hurt, I get to practice forgiveness. I get to practice not holding a grudge against somebody. Man, what would we look like as a church if we begin to practice the fruit of the Spirit? The love that God has where we don't hold grudges and we don't, we don't hold the people's past against them. Like, well, you don't get to practice that unless you're in a tight community. And if you're in a loose community, you don't get in into the inner circle. Like if you're just barely associated as a community, you don't see the full picture. All the ugly stuff comes to the surface the closer you get. Don't run from the stuff. Don't run from the mess. It's so good for us. And as we learn this, we're going to learn at, at bringing other people into the process. Amen. So w- let's pray one more thing. And then if you want prayer, stay here at the front. We'll pray for you for anything. But I want us to pray that God will begin to stir the fruit of the Spirit, that we will begin to live the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, temperance, all those things. God, I pray now that as lovers... <laughs> that you would produce your fruit in our lives. (laughs) 
that you would give us the fruit of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, self-control, that we would begin to live these things out in community, that we would do it best in our own home with our own family. Come on. That we would do it best with our own families and that we would do it really well with those that are in this circle here too, God. I ask that you will help us to be people of our word, people that really know you. It's not a theory. We're not serving a theory. We are in a relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Last thing I want to pray, God, show us the Mephibosheths out there. Help us to search them out. Help us to live a life that says, is there anyone else that we can pull into this circle? Is there anyone else that we can get close to? Is there anyone else that we can give our time to? Make us so generous with this community, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on.